Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. And I'm Adrian. I say welcome as well. You have come to the right place. Because we speak dog. That means sometimes we also walk the dogs. This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching and doggy themes. I am. You are. We are. The Good Samaritan. We are going French again. Again? Mon Dieu! And pick up an Aussie working dog. And welcome to the fairy wonderland. Where dogs fly. And birds bark. But first, as usual, Top Dog Hotspot, where we have stories that probably make you cringe or cry or even laugh. Now, Katja, what have you got in your drawer? I have some fun fact. Adrian, would you like to go to New York? Nah, not really. Oh. Anyway, so that, that may be good because there is quite a bit of dog poop in New York with the 80,000 registered dogs, but more likely um, in real, they think they have about half a million dogs in the Big Apple. So maybe, as you could imagine, they leave a lot of surprises on the sidewalk. Yeah, I know that from so, other cities in the world, like Hamburg, you couldn't walk in the dark. You had to make sure you get home before it gets dark, or you had to walk streets that were really really lit up. Otherwise, you would have carried it into your flat, into your apartment. Ugh. Okay, so that's probably why a company decided to do some research into where the most dog poop related complaints were. So they have found out where and when they're the most complaints. So maybe according to their findings, you can plan your trip in New York. So they found that even though generally things have improved, so there's less dog poop on the sidewalk and less dog poop-related complaints. Actually, that's what they researched. Wednesday is the day with the most complaints. On the weekend, they're the fewest. And as in time of the year, February and March are the most. And November, the fewest. Now, the other question is where? Mm. So they found out that... <laughs> So, so you know when, now you need to know where. Uh, in the Bronx, there were the most complaints and in Manhattan were the fewest. So even though you were not planning to go to New York, I might want to go. So I will uh, strategically plan my trip in November and I will be in Manhattan on a weekend. Oh, right. I thought it was Wednesday. Okay. And uh, Wednesday was the most. <laughs> right. And if you have a sadistic uh, vein in your body, then you might go in February on a Wednesday to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is my no-go zone. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you got for us, Adrian? Well, I've got some numbers as well. Not really numbers, but names. So, you know, naming a dog is not easy. And it is important that you give your dog a good name, a name that reflects their character. And what is really important is that it's a name that sounds good and not too silly. When you go, you know, when you go to a dog park and you have to shout your dog's name, you don't <laughs> want to be 
ridiculed or laughed at. So uh, there are lists and books where you can choose a name for your dog and it's no wonder that you have most popular dog names as well. So the most popular dog names this year in the US are, it's a study that uh, the Pet Sitter Service Rover has done. They had a database of over a million pets where they looked at and they could tell us, you know, which are the most popular names. In female dogs, Bella comes first, then Luna, Lucy, Daisy and Lily. Male dogs is Max, Charlie, Cooper, Buddy, Rocky. Mm, they're pretty sort of classic names still, yeah? They are. Have you ever had a dog called that? Actually, I had a Daisy, yes. No, oh, there we go. <laughs> and that was in Germany. <laughs> One of my best friends had a dog called Charlie, but she was a girl. Anyway, they have also found out that not only classic names are very popular. Every year there are different trends, new trends, inspired by television shows or music or even movies. And this year was, guess what, you know, Game of Thrones. Oh, definitely. Okay. So which character do you think was the most popular in dog names? Mm, Arya? Arya Stark? Yeah. Oh, yay. Very good guess. But rock stars are also very popular. First up on the list is Taylor Swift, followed by Khalid, then Madonna, Ariana, David Bowie, Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Superheroes, <laughs> they have a spot as well. Harley, Loki, Thor and Flash. And then, of course, Royals. Who would think that in the US? First up is Princess Diana, followed by Queen Elizabeth and Meghan. Would you call your dog Queen Elizabeth? I don't think so. No, I'm not sure whether I would call my dog Lady Gaga. Can you imagine yelling that? <laughs> I'm not sure. That's not my thing. Yeah. Try to shout this one out in a dog park. Lady Gaga. People could understand. I am Gaga. <laughs> yeah. Food and drinks are popular names as well. I like that one. Cake, croissant, brioche, waffles, Cupcake and pancakes, or pepper, ginger, Kona, Oreo, or peanut. Now, I don't know if I would yell out croissant in a dog park. Probably there would be croissants coming flying from every direction. You have to be careful. <laughs> Make sure, well, yeah, at least they're soft. If you had like a pump, pumpernickel bread, it would be more dangerous. Or potato. That's, yeah, yes, that's true. Raw potato, even more. Now, that's in the US. In Australia, it's a bit different. Uh, there, it was Pet Insurance Australia who did the research and they came up with the names. Top male names are Archie. Archie is the son of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, followed by Charlie, Buddy, Teddy, Max and Milo. Girls' names are Luna, Bella, Coco, Daisy again and Ruby. Finally, in the UK... They mix it up, actually, male and female names together. So you could call your male dog Bella, then he would have the most popular name in the UK, followed by Poppy, Alfie, Lola, Max and Charlie again. So now we have a very good idea of what we're going to call our dogs. Charlie! <laughs> Lola! <laughs> now... 
a rather dark and disturbing chapter. Not my favourite one, but uh, it's something you can't close your eyes from because it is reality. It does exist in this sometimes cruel world. Dog meat is still being consumed in several Asian countries. Well, thank God I'm vegetarian, so I have less problems with <laughs> sorting through that one. In Cambodia alone, there's an estimated up two to three million dogs slaughtered every year. And um, animal welfare organization Four Paws, they've identified more than 100 dog meat restaurants in the capital of Phnom Penh and about uh, 20 in the temple town of Siam Reap. That's uh, the gateway to Angkor Wat. Yeah, that's upsetting enough to hear that. And we don't want to go into details. We don't want to know how this happens. And But what we can try to do is see the other side. You know, it's it's not only bad news, it's good news as well. Because, I mean, good news is that the animal welfare organization for Paws is stepping in and they do that actively. They actually go and help dog traders to leave the industry, support them in finding a, a new sense of life or a new purpose in life. There's one example, they helped a farmer to find new land so he could actually uh, set up a wheat farm or rice farm. He could set up a rice farm. Oh, that's good. So if you are not part of a welfare organization, there is also a chance as an individual, and people do that, simply people like you and me, dog lovers, act by themselves. That's right. And we met such a good Samaritan. Her name is Nicole Kramer. She lives in the Cambodian temple town of Siem Reap. She moved a few years ago from Germany via Australia and she works in an animal shelter run by monks. And the best bit is that Nicole, she shares her home with 15 dogs and 20 cats. Can you imagine Wow, how many Charlies are in there? <laughs> That's true. We haven't asked her that. But anyway, we'll talk to her now. And she has many other good news as well. I'm talking to Nicole Kramer. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Adrian. Hello, Melvin. How are you? <laughs> uh, Nicole, you're actually talking to the world now. Well, that's what we hope. We are based in Melbourne, but we do the podcast for the whole world, for America, for the UK, for Australia, and everybody else who would love to hear us and loves to hear fantastic and amazing dog stories or more like, let's say, stories about people that do amazing things with and for dogs. Now, you actually do both of them. You do amazing stuff for dogs and with dogs. Give us a bit of a taste of your life, what you're actually doing. I can tell that much that you do have 15 dogs and 20 cats. We don't want to know about cats because we're a dog podcast. But I think this is quite crazy, isn't it? Yeah, uh, well, some might like to call it that. Um, yes, that's right. I got about no, I got fifteen beautiful, beautiful uh, Khmer dogs here in Siem Reap in Cambodia. Um, I've been here for nine years. First year I lived on the coast, and then for eight years in Siem Reap, uh, where I have been working with a local Khmer vet for the last eight years. Um, we work with twenty-four pagodas out of forty-three here in. 
Seam Reap and the wider region, and we provide medical treatment, um, sterilization, rabies vaccines, and uh, TBT cancer treatment for dogs, uh, tick, tick medicine, flea medicine, lice medicine, you name it. We try what we can. Um, yeah, so I've been involved with it for about eight years now, and I have seen in those eight years uh, a massive positive change towards uh, dog ownership here in, in Siem Reap. Not just me, but also others. In Cambodia, we got a situation where 60% of the local population are under the age of 26 years of age. Everyone is on Facebook. Facebook is the BBC here, and... The young generation is luckily a dog or animal loving generation. So, yeah, we've seen huge improvements here and um, it gives hope for the future. Now, now you're saying the young generation is a, do a dog loving generation. Does it mean that everybody else older than 26 doesn't like dogs, doesn't love dogs in Cambodia? No, some do, but I guess the, the dogs, uh, you know, originally used to be, uh, it's something you have in your, in your, you know, in front of your house and they were like the security system uh, in this country. Um, so not much else. For, for some people, it might have been family already in the past, um, but uh, generally speaking, uh, it was just something that was uh, letting you know if, if a stranger or somebody would approach your household, and that was about it. So now it's really, particularly in the last year, we've seen a lot of changes. Um, more and more Khmer's now started like buying animals from Thailand, like from Pomeranians to German Shepherds to um, Doberman. So we see more and more Khmer now um, introducing foreign breeds into the country. Um, so some are bought in Thailand and others have been bred within the country. But my animals are all Khmer, except for the last one, which was a rescued poodle mix from a pagoda in really, really bad condition. Um, and I was asked to take him on, but everyone else is Khmer, and they're really, really beautiful animals. Mm. Do you think the change has come, has happened in Cambodia because uh, Cambodia has opened itself a bit more to the world? You you were mentioning Facebook before, that the young generation is getting all the information through Facebook. Or is the change happening because uh, of Western people like you are going to the country and educating locals there? So I think um, it's a combination of those two and more. So, for example, um, yeah, Facebook is really, really big in Cambodia and the young generation uh, is basically on it, you know, most day, I would say. And they basically see so many videos on YouTube or, you know, people are sharing stories about animals, photos about animals, photos with their dogs. And, uh, you know, like... Uh, so spreading love and kindness and funny things about their dogs uh, on, on social media. And um, it's very well, re positively received by the younger generation. And then, of course, you have expats like myself here um, who are helping or have been helping these animals uh, for a very long time. Like when I first arrived here, there was only one lady from Belgium uh, who was um, helping some cats in a pagoda here. Um, which is uh, Josette Vaneur from Seam Reap Pagoda Cats. 
So, and then there was a couple here from uh, Bendigo area who um, were helping the dogs who are not here any longer. But this is how it all started for me here in in Siem Reap. Um, you know, because back then there was a lot more street dogs here and, and many, many um, animals, surplus animals that were just thrown into the pagodas and deserted because the local population mainly didn't want them anymore um, because of sickness or they couldn't feed them anymore or whatever. Um, so we have now in eight years, we got Simri Pagoda cats here, Paw Patrol Cambodia. It's like a couple, they go and feed animals and give medical treatment in four different pagodas or, or what's here. Um, there's another young couple from Essex. They do what's called House of Strays. So they got over 45 animals in their, in their house now that are all from the street here, um, helping where they can. Um, we do a lot. So together with them, and then I formed a, a local Siem Reap animal welfare community, which is, there's only Khmer's in it. And they also started up helping their own animals um, over the last few months and years already. And it's a growing number as well. So they are becoming quite active in it now. And then uh, we also working very closely with the monks, all of us. So the monks are now actually um, Facebooking about the animals in the pagodas. And um, so all of us together with then the main three vets in this town are you know, spreading the, the message of love and kindness uh, and compassion and empathy for Khmer animals or animals in general um, on social network or in, in, in the real world. And um, the, the monks in particular have got a very, very big influence on the Khmer community. So um, some of them have actually... Um, got their own fan club now <laughs> on on social media so you know they, they kind of post a photo and a story and they get like 150 likes straight away um so yeah we've we've done i mean this hasn't happened overnight we've done a, a lot of work here we put a lot of energy into it but it is i i would say definitely for all of us who are here in Siemri, but it's most important to all of us that we are including and doing this not for, but with the local community, because it is the only way forward here for the future. Now, just putting in compassion, love and kindness is not enough. I mean, finances are just as important. Who finances it? How do you, how do you keep yourselves afloat? Right. Yeah, so when we go to the pagodas and we do medical outreach there, we can only do this if people have been donating to us, of course. So sometimes it might be a tourist or expat here in this town. Uh, sometimes it's friends of friend of mine, like my friends go home, uh, you know, I'm well connected around the world. And then they would tell their friends in the US or whatever about what we do here. And then if there's animal lovers, they may or may not want to donate to the cause. Um, so that's kind of everyone is kind of doing their own fundraiser as well. Like Simri Pagoda Cats is doing like a, a yearly annual fundraiser here in town. And, you know, um, she's been doing it the longest here. So, um, you know, a lot of businesses would support her every so often. And then Paw Patrol Cambodia, like their main donors, I would say, sit in Australia because um, they're originally from there. So they got good connections there now. Um 
then, then the young couple that does House of Strays, they, they're from the UK. So they're trying to do like go and fund me fundraisers and that. Um, yeah, and me, um, I'm, I, I, you know, again, like just from through, through people who have seen me, met me, have known of our work here, have seen it firsthand. Um, what we do and then as I said even with the local community we really try to encourage them to also you know get more and more locals on board to help so I've formed this group just to give you an indicator I formed this group this animal loving Khmer group for Seam Reap and it's got about 25 only Khmer members in it now. Let's go back to your immediate family which uh, consists of uh, 20 cats and 15 dogs how do you manage that bunch of animals that bunch of pets how how does how does it look like what's the hierarchy in that group yeah so out of the 15 dogs two of them are males and everyone else is female and they're all spayed and neutered of course and fully vaccinated and all rabies teeter tested already and so I live in a in a in a old wooden Khmer house, and my garden is 100 meters by 20 meters, and it costs me 350 US dollars a month. And I got the dog separated into two packs um, as I'm slowly but surely introducing them towards each other because I haven't had all these dogs together in a bundle at once. Um, and the cats the, the cats are actually on the top. Uh, of the house where is it's a big wooden area like a wooden floor area um it's a big space so they just run around there and uh you know basically they all pretty much uh get along with each other um it's quite interesting uh, about Khmer animals like uh you know i sometimes get animals of course and then i bring them to nurture them to good health and then i try to find them new homes um, so I've had some that have come and gone and been successfully adopted out. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's how I live really. And then I kind of take it in turns where I sleep with the dogs or with the cats or by myself, <laughs> depends, but, uh, they are all really, really loving animals. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just lucky that, I mean, they are, a really weird, interesting collection. Um, there's four of them. That's a mum and the three children. But I had all of them pretty much from like two months onwards, and uh, or some of them from just three weeks because the mother died. Uh, so I've been kind of I've known them since they were younger, and I've trained them myself. So yeah, so this is my pagoda tribe, so to speak. This is my family. So, <laughs> do you keep them always in in the house, or do you actually take them for walks? No, I take them for walks all the time, all the time, every day. And I actually also take them running. So on the 8th of next month, there is the Anchor Half Marathon happening. So Bobby the Poodle is just sitting in the backpack at the moment while I'm running, (laughs) while I'm training running. It's quite hilarious, actually. But I do, yeah, and he sits in the backpack when I go on my bicycle. I walk them all around town. They've been with me to different parts of Cambodia, including the beach, uh, I take them swimming. We have like the West Barai Lake here near Siem Reap. So I take them swimming all the time. Um, I've taken them on the, on, on, in the car to um, Sihanoukville to the ocean. So I have 
some swimming vests for some. <laughs> um, yeah, they love tuk-tuk ride. They, they, they love walking. They're super chill too. Like, you know, it's funny because a lot of the expats, I think, are really scared of walking their dogs here. And I, at the beginning, did, like, when I say at the beginning, this is eight years ago, I didn't really know how to handle all the other dogs either. But uh, I realized you just got to kind of, you know, make yourself big and stand up towards them. And uh, they will get to know your dogs. And I mean, mine are all spayed and neutered, so it's so much easier to walk them. They love tuk-tuk rides too. My my tuk-tuk drivers, I've got main different drivers that I'm using. Like, I ring them up. They're all very, very good with the dogs. They take selfies with the dogs and post it on social media all the time. There's some people, of course, that don't want tuk-tuks. Uh, they don't want the dogs in their tuk-tuks. But generally speaking, I have... Um, <clears throat> experience a lot of positivity towards my dogs and myself over the last few years living here and it's just increasing and like even when you sit in a tuk-tuk and you drive along like and people pass you they everyone is smiling and you know I mean I speak Khmer so like the like the kids are also excited to see animals like eight years ago they thought it was really weird to see like a foreigner with a with a dog harness leash walking you know they, they think that's very strange but now more and more people do it, like uh, locals do it as well. So, it, it, yeah, it's, everything is uh, um, going into the right direction and it becomes more and more positive for animals here. Right. So I was ex actually expecting that people probably are too scared to approach you because you're surrounded by beasts, so-called. <laughs> but it's <laughs> no, not actually, the case, obviously. Actually, they want to come. They, everyone wants to pet them. We are having a water festival here at the moment and like I was walking some of them through that with thousands of people. So even in, in a big group of people, they still re they stay generally really chilled because some of them have come from Pagoda. So they've seen people come and go all the time. And I mean, I had some people kind of signaling to, towards me. They wanted to eat my dogs. Yeah, like because um, they are very healthy looking, of course. And uh, yeah. Did, I mean, you say, have did, did you here, say so. eat? Did you say eat your dog? Yes, uh, yes, eat. So in Cambodia, people do eat dogs. Right, and uh, I, I'm aware of that too. And I think this is a topic I would love to talk to you in a later episode of our podcast, if you have time and muse, uh, because it's quite a, a, a complex topic and still a current topic in Cambodia, isn't it? That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so then I would yeah. actually terminate our lovely chat here because uh, I could <laughs> talk to you for hours about dogs, but I think we have to stop here and I'll happily talk again to you and maybe a bit more serious topic. Yeah, people eating dogs in Cambodia. Nicole Kramer, many, many thanks for your time and uh, for your insight into your dog's life. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All the best. That was Nicole Kramer in Siem Reap in Cambodia, working in the animal shelter House of Strays. Now, if you want to see what they actually do, you can go on to their Facebook page on facebook.com slash a double o world that stands for animals of our world have a look there it's worth looking at because they have lots of volunteers from overseas people like you and me 
and maybe you can become a volunteer yourself when you go on your next trip to Cambodia. Yes, well, or if you're not planning on going to Cambodia, there is plenty of other possibilities. For example, you could check out the Global Animal Welfare Organization for Paws. They are based in Vienna in Austria, and they are funded exclusively by donations. And regardless where you are, quite possible that they will take a donation from you. I'm sure they will. Now, talking of saving animals, we have a story about a kookaburra, and a kookaburra is a, an Australian bird, maybe the Australian bird. His name is Pirate. He's a lost baby kookaburra, and he befriends a colourful bunch of dogs and a cat. His sense of fun turns their life upside down. And, but at the same time, the dog's survival skills and the cat's wisdom take Pirate on a journey that changes his life forever. Pirate grows up, he learns to stand up for himself, to overcome fear and to care for his loved ones. Now this is actually an audiobook or a radio play, if you like, and we're going to play that in our podcast here from next year on. It is actually a dog story. I mean, it's about a bird, but there are three dogs in that story and one of the dogs plays a major role. And her name is not on the popular list, Katja. Her name is Stelzi. You didn't check beforehand <laughs> what the popular name is, did you? <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm intrigued. So uh, would you give us a taste? Of course I will. A thunderstorm had just passed over the little farmhouse. You could still hear a faint thunder rolling up the valley of Tantraboo. The rain had dumped lots of water onto the backyard with its tiny vegetable patch and dozens of flower pots. The vegetables and the flowers, weighed down by heavy water drops, looked sad as if they were crying. But soon they would suck in the water, stand up straight again and look more beautiful than ever before. Not so the little bird standing between the lettuce and the carrots. It was soaked, its feathers pointing away from its shivering body like crooked needles. What the bloomin' tail is it, mate? Buddha asked. Buddha was the cat who knew almost everything. He knew instantly what kind of baby bird it was he was looking at, but he pretended not to know because he wanted to tease the dogs. The dogs would not know the answer. Buddha knew that. In his opinion, dogs knew nothing, and they definitely were stupid. I don't know, Hoover answered. Hoover was the neighbour's dog. But it looks like lunch to me, he quickly added, and leapt forward, his mouth wide open. Just before his fat paws would crush the little bird, Ajax unexpectedly made a dart for the bird, picked it up and threw it into the air. It's a great toy! Ajax was the other neighbour's dog. He wagged his tail, swayed his bottom back and forth, ready to jump and catching the bird mid-air. Ajax was not aware of Steltzer sneaking up on him from behind. Steltzer was the dog who belonged to the farm, like Buddha the cat. She placed her big paw on Ajax's tail as he jumped. Ouch! He yelped and fell flat onto his snout. It is not lunch and it is not a toy, 
Stelza said with her deep and firm voice. With a splish-splash, the soaked bird landed on her snout. It's a baby bird, she now said as softly as she could. Yeah, that was a sample of the audio book or radio play Pirate the Barking Kookaburra and it's a story that has it all, action, adventure, humour, passion and warmth and you will hear more of it or the whole story in every episode. You'll hear a chapter from next year on. I'm really looking forward to hearing not the Kookaburra laugh but the Kookaburra barking. That's right. And next time we will have the very best of 2019, we're looking back at the funniest, interesting, maybe weirdest highlights of the show. That's right. Only the best, the very best of last year. Well, we haven't got that many episodes yet. Probably, how many have we got so far? About a dozen, about 12 or 15 even. So there's quite a bit of a choice in there. And if it was up to me, we could actually replay all of them, but We don't have that time for it. So we will pick the best out of that year and we put it all together in one episode. I'm looking forward to that too. I can already reveal here that my favourite, my absolute favourite is actually that woman that is spinning yarn. She turns dog hair into wool. Yes, she was very good. Marion, I think her name was. And um, since you picked this one, I have to come up with another one. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I might pick a my top dog. That could be possible. And well, that leads us to our my top dog of the week and it lives in Melbourne. It used to live in France. That's the French connection. I met the owner of that dog. His name is Carthen and the owner's name is Kim. I met her on the beach. So it's a bit windy. He's an Aussie Shepherd. Right. And he's 12 and a half. Yeah. I know he's walking towards us too. Do you think he can say hello as well? <laughs> he Carthen? can say hello. Carson, want to say hello? He's just sniffing at my leg. <laughs> How long have you been having him? Uh, he's 12 and a half. So uh, we got him when he was six months old. And uh, yeah. So that means he spent more or less all his life with you. Yes. And you probably spent half of your life with him. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, he means a lot to us, yeah. Yeah. What what does he actually mean to you? Oh, he's part of the family. Yeah, more than than ever. He's uh, our best friend. And uh, we brought him all the way over from France. Um, to start so a life here. So he's an imported dog, an imported Aussie dog. Oh, well, we imported him, yeah. He lived with us uh, on a farm there. And then we came two years ago to Melbourne. So he came with us. So you were obviously in France and yeah. you wanted to have an Australian dog. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, there was a, a breeder over there. And um, there you are. We wanted an Australian dog. <laughs> and was he a working dog? Yeah, he is a working dog, yeah. But, but yeah. Back there in France, was he working as well? Well, he was working with us, you know, running around, <laughs> chasing the birds. Okay. And chasing the children mostly. Oh, so he's, not, he's not making a living, actually. No, he wasn't making a living, no. No, we didn't train him for that. His parents were show dogs, so so uh, he's got a bit of a show dog attitude. <laughs> and, and how easy or hard was it to bring him here over to Australia? Oh, no, easy. 
Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. Two big flights from one from London to Singapore and Singapore to Melbourne. And quarantine? There was no problem. Ten ten days in Melbourne at so the airport. Right. Yeah, we couldn't see him, but um, we could uh, phone them. And uh, yeah, he was fine. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, was his airfare more expensive than yours? <laughs> yes, honestly. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Yes, and he was with the suitcases, I think. <laughs> oh, he wasn't traumatized when he got out of the plane. Oh, we don't know. You never know. But he was certainly happy to see us. Yeah, it's not something that you'd want to do. It's a very long flight. And what do you think? How did he adapt to the new environment? You know, coming. He grew up. He was born in yes. France. Grew up in France, and all of a sudden, a completely new environment. Yes, new I know. Stuff, a new language. Smell. Yeah. How did he cope with it? <laughs> he coped very well. Yeah. Yeah, he loves the beach, and uh, we live not far from the, the bayside, so uh, he coped very well. And did you did you always talk English to him, even in France? No, no, French, French and English, because my children are French, so French at home. And how do you talk to him now? What, what oh, language? he doesn't hear much. <laughs> he's a bit deaf. He's a bit deaf and has cataracts, yeah. and uh, he's just getting a bit old now. But he still okay. loves to come to the beach. We were lucky you didn't blow away. That was Kim and her French-Australian dog, Carthen. That's right. I'm still here. <laughs> But wind swept and sand everywhere. <laughs> so sand came into my microphone, into my throat. That's why I'm a bit coarse today. But anyway, it's the end of the show, so I don't have to talk any longer. Great, you can have a little rest. And for all you listeners, if you like today's podcast, tell your friends and you can listen to us on www.topdog.space. Or simply find us in your favorite podcast app or podcast portal. And Katja, oh my God, it's going to be Christmas soon. We won't hear from each other until after Christmas. Oh, well, then to everyone, a Merry Christmas, festive season, and we say goodbye for today. Say hello to your dog from me. I say bye-bye as well and say hello to Santa from me. <laughs> <laughs>